Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. game against Southington, you know, we, we as an offense kind of fizzled out, so that's something that we knew, and um, in the past, our offense has had kind of a hard hard time closing games, so to be able to come out here and, uh, you know, leave no doubt in the past in the last couple minutes was, was big for us. Uh, you know, ultimately, you know, there's five minutes left in the game. It's a three-point game, which is very, very reminiscent to two weeks ago. So it was nice to see these guys finish off that drive. Really nice. Losing wasn't an option tonight, I'll say that. Just, uh, it's an exciting Friday night game. And, you know, I really, I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, I mean, that's what you practice for. It's, it's for exciting games, and uh, this was that for tonight. So it was a treat for the for the fans. It was a treat for you know the coaches and the players. Even when we want to pull our hair out at times, uh, but uh, yeah, we'll take it. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the Meat Grinder, your weekly dose of high school football in Connecticut. I'm your host, Sean Patrick Foley. With me, as always, is the great Pete Pagano. Pete, hello. What's going on, Sean? How are you? How was your week off? Weekend off? It was nice. It was, it was very nice and relaxed. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it was a nightmare without you. The whole thing fell apart, Pete. It was just me running around out there. Oh, I'm when, back. Everyone, everyone forsook me. They abandoned me in my time of need. I'm sorry, but I'll, I'll be back for the rest of the season. Oh, well. No more weekends away. Well, everyone deserves a bye week, at least, I guess. <laughs> So I took a little bit of a buy on my birthday on Saturday. That was fun. Shout out to all guys at uh, at Micro in Hamden. We had a nice time. Good times. Nice. That's I good to hear. Yeah, it was really nice. And uh, at the top of the show, you heard a little bit from the one game I covered this week. Down in Greenwich, a Friday night game. The place was mobbed. The stadium was rocking as the Cardinals get back on track. A little redemption victory. 36 to 26 over St. Joseph. You heard a little bit from Jack Wilson, who had three touchdowns, threw for another, and then had the, had the clincher at the end there. Losing. He turned he got he, he brought in a little bit of Gene Krantz there. Losing is not an option. Uh from uh, Apollo 13, if you recall. And then you heard a little bit from uh, Anthony Morell, still selling newspapers over there, Greenwich. Extra extra. Read all about it. Greenwich football is back, baby. This time, they finished the deal that they couldn't finish against Sunday. A little redemption there. 
against a pretty good St. Joseph team, a team that did not quit. They were down big early, came flying back. But in the end, Greenwich able to pull out that victory. Jack Koningsberg with a big 50-yard run to get him down into the red zone and converting a fourth and four from the St. Joseph eight to set up Jack Wilson's touchdown run to put the game away. A nice win for Greenwich, you know, nice little. After what happened, you were at the, the Southern game. After what happened there, it's where they scored quick and early. Same deal here. Not quite as big, but lost that one. They were able to kind of, you know, put this ghost to bed. As I wrote in my story, they exercised the ghost here uh, a couple weeks before Halloween. Pete, I mean, you were watching from afar, but, uh, you know, that's a big one for Greenwich. Yeah, it definitely is. And it's nice to see them kind of get back in the saddle. Um, you know, the game after the Southington game really wasn't a challenge for them. So for them to come out and, you know, hang, you know, go up early against St. Joe's team, kind of have similar parallels happen between games and have Greenwich be able to hold on and pull it out. I think it's great for them. And it's great for those uh, double L championship aspirations. We're going to do something a little different this uh, week, Pete, as you uh, suggested, we're going to issue a guest, forget a guest this week. And we're going to go with the mid season report. That's right. We're going to take a look at teams that were surprising teams that might've been a little bit disappointing, some top players and some top teams and games to look out for the rest of the way. So look out for that in a little bit, but uh, so let's take a look at the top 10, Paul, Pete, um, you know, that was a five versus six matchup. Greenwich getting the better of number six, St. Joseph. And, uh, you know, a few other changes here. And uh, we're going to start at the top. Number one, Southington. They were idle. They stayed there. They have 17 now. First place votes. That's up from 16 last week. Number two, New Canaan. They pick up a couple of first place votes. Five up from seven after defeating Norwalk 45 to nothing. Still some interesting things there. The Rams have not really played anybody yet, but that is going to change uh, coming up when they start with Wilton and then they get St. Joseph. Uh, right after that, and they got Darian obviously down the road. We'll be interested to see what happens with St. Joseph. Ty Groff still being worked in there at quarterback. Number three is Maloney. Idle last week. They get Bristol Central. They're five and zero. Oh. Number four Greenwich. We just talked about them. They move up from five, four and one. They look like a team to be in class double L. Number five now. Here's a team we haven't talked about much. We had our chance early in the season to see them. Now comes the real season for West Haven. 5-0. and oh, They uh, get their fellow. They get their friends from Shelton. Always a great one. At Ken Strong Stadium. Friday night against 4-1 Shelton. Get your tickets now. Shelton is the number six team. Another six versus five matchup. Number seven, St. Joseph. They go right back into the fire. They got to play Ridgefield, which has come on of late. Number eight, Ansoni, which has another big, which has itself... A huge game up at Municipal Stadium. We talked about it a bit about it last week versus Holy Cross, Ligi, Maldonado, Cowett, all those guys. Now see if they're going to take aim and take out the Chargers too. We'll see if they're going to be able to do that. Our newcomer this week, Hamden, the Green Dragons, beating up Amity 54-26. But I think with all the things that happened, I think finally Fairfield Prep beating, knocking off Cheshire, which was number 10. Hamden able to, uh, to, to basically get in the good graces of the voters and getting in there for the first time since 2009. And then finally, number 10 is Killingly? Pete, what the heck happened? Number one, we spent all week on Killingly last week and Chad Neal and this and that and, you know, run people over, pass over people. And the only person who was doing running over was Window, knocking off Killingly 41 to 26. Victor Maya and Zach Robinson-Smay just obliterated them 
447 total yards, 361 on the ground. That's very Killingly like the Whippets knocking Killingly off in the first at home. First of all, ending their 16 game winning streak dating back to last year. And then at home, 34 games dating back to when this all started back in 2015. My goodness. And that run, Pete, you saw it. Everyone could see it right before the half at the at a 70 yard touchdown right before the half basically put set the tone for the second half and Wyndham ran right over him. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't see Wyndham here. Um and that's I have a big gripe with that. Not saying that Wyndham should be a top ten team, but if we're gonna keep killing lean here at four and one, where the heck is Wyndham? Don't get me wrong. It's not like Wyndham was one and four in this game, knocked him off, and you know, you're like, okay, well, I can't vote a two and four Wyndham team. No, no, Wyndham's five and oh. Five and oh. Like if you were voting killingly one, they had three first place votes and they were number four at one point. I don't think I ever voted killingly higher than like eight um this year. So there were a lot of people who were voting them high. And now uh, we're keeping killingly in the top ten, but not giving Wyndham any love like I dropped Killingly completely off my ballot. Yep, me too. And I put Wyndham at 15. Um, you know, it's a great win for them. They're five and oh. Uh, if you know, Killingly's been getting votes all year to be the number four team in the state. Wyndham knocks them off. You're not gonna show a little love, but I am shocked yeah. that Killingly is still in this top 10. I think they're a very good program. I think they have a lot of super talented team uh, players on their team, and I think we're going to be talking about them come December. But right now, they have no business being in the top ten. None. I don't know. I we we quibble with a lot of our voters, Pete, and I have no idea what they're doing here. I don't know who you are out there. What are you? I, I, you want to give a team a mulligan? That's fine. Like we've done that before. But like Wyndham is like you just said, Wyndham's five and zero. Oh. You have yeah. to replace him at this point. That was a butt whipping. I mean, they, it wasn't even, I mean, it was close. Killingly hung in there, but they were clearly, it was 12 nothing. Wyndham right out of the jump. Killingly knew how big this game was. They got to come back. They had to claw back, get up 13, 12. And then at the end, you know, Zach Robinson, like we, we've talked about it. I saw them. I underestimated Wyndham. I saw them against EO Smith. I thought they were very good. I didn't think it'd be Killingly though. Yeah. You know, and we talked Killingly. We saw Killingly's praises all on Instagram. Oh, look at all these great clips of, our great interview with Chad Neal, and it was a great interview. And, uh, you know, and uh, but uh, they uh, we, we some guys are like, oh, this is the best killingly team in the ECC in 20 years. We didn't even bust his chops about that one. I, that's out the window, too. All that hyperbole from the beginning of the season. Here's your midseason report. All that hyperbole at the beginning of the season. Throw that out the window. Shall I mean, it just no. it just it just makes no sense. I just I just don't understand it. I, I and, and here's just here. Here's another thing. And this is not a knock on both these teams because I've actually voted them both in my top 10. West Haven and Hamden, two SEC tier two teams in the top 10. When when has that ever happened? Yeah. I mean, we the voters, and I don't believe I was voting or I was voting at that time. I was at the Record Journal at the time. I don't know if I was voting. But Hand didn't get in till they won Class L for the first time when they were in SEC tier uh, two. And now West Haven and Hamden and Earn at the mid-year? Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. West Haven... Great win over Notre Dame to start the year. Notre Dame is a really solid program, right? Great win for them. But who else have they played? Hamden, great win over Fairfield Prep. Nothing could take away from that. Hamden deserves a lot of love. Who else have they beaten, though? I I, I, I just, I'm, I'm confused. That's really it. I voted both West Haven and Hamden in there. I'm not saying they shouldn't be top 10 teams. 
But looking yep. at overall works of art here, or, or overall resumes, what what is going on? You know I mean, look, a, you know who has a big gripe? There are a couple teams that have a big gripe. For, I mean, Fairfield Prep kind of has a gripe, but you know they're two and three. Okay, or, or you know that was a big one over Cheshire. But you know what? How about state? We talked about it. Staples. Hello, I have Staples. I have Staples in there? my top ten. Staples. Staples won yeah. lots of St. Joseph. Since then, they beat that off. Trumbull. Yeah. They've, they've done everything. They Trumbull. And you're not even voting Staples in the top ten. Trumbull's, Trumbull's at eleven with 175 points. <laughs> Staples is Staples has 127 points like Staples Trumbull was an excellent game, which is why I I moved Trumbull down when they lost to Staples. But I put Staples ahead of him. That was a one possession game with a minute left. I don't know what you guys they, are doing. Trumbull is one pass interference call that should have happened away from winning that game. They're both excellent teams. They're both top 10 teams. How is neither of them in, let alone how is Staples not the team that's in? Uh, they're both, they're both in my team. top 10. They're both in my top 10. So Staples is in my top 10. hundred percent. I mean, they they look great. They looked great against Trumbull. And you know what? They were right there with St. Joseph. The game got away from them. St. Joseph just lost his first game. Yeah. Staples is better than I've seen Staples and Hamden. I know they might be a Hamden, you know, maybe, maybe an Ansonia level. They're certainly, you know, at, I think they're, I think they're at St. Joseph's level. Shall, I mean, uh, those teams are not, you know, any better than Staples is right now. I, but I, 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 I try to look at the, the body of work and the teams that they play. And I know Ansonia's super talented, saw them against Derby, but like, okay. Like they struggled against Gilbert Northwestern who came over from the Pequot. Not that Gilbert's not a good program who has really good players in Nolan Reisdorf and Freddie Camp. They're a good team. They struggled against them. This is their first big game this week against Holy Cross. And so I, I'm waiting. I'm putting the hold on Ansonia in terms of like how well do I think they are because Ansonia hasn't played a St. Joe's. They haven't played a Trumbull. They haven't played a, a Greenwich or, uh, you know, those kind of teams that the teams in the FCAC have to play or even the teams in the SEC have to play. Some of our guys need to take a, take a little more serious. If you're not taking this serious, guys, I might not have. I don't know if what we're having you. I mean, look, what more you want, but just some of the some of the just interesting. Just yeah, interesting. Right, anyway, speaking of Fairfield Prep, they had one of the most the craziest victories of the season. 33-10 knocking off at the time number 10 Cheshire. Prep wanted to get nuts. They got nuts. A fumble return touchdown by Javi, Javier Conier. I don't know if I pronounced his name right. A block field goal by Bryce Miller returned 80 yards for by Mason Frey. And another TD run after a muffed Cheshire punt. Malachi Mercer Robinson scored a couple TDs. Fairfield Prep, which lost to a team from Florida to start the season, right? Then they uh, lost. They lost to Duquesne uh, a little bit earlier. They beat Xavier, lost to Duquesne. Then they lost to Hamden, which, you know, Hamden's pretty good. And then that game was, you know, back and forth until Hamden kind of pulled away. Fairfield Prep came back. I think Fairfield Prep also has a little bit of a gripe here. Not quite Staples gripe, but, you know, people looked at, they just looked at the record. They don't really think of Fairfield Prep as much. But that was a big win for them, knocking off Cheshire. And uh, it kind of sets us up here. Like every midseason, this is the point of the year where we turn our attention to where we all stand in the CIC playoff standings. This year, of course, we have six divisions um, instead of four. So uh, if you were happy to take a quick look at it after this week's games, well, <laughs> uh, let's do that right now. For the uninitiated, it works like this. You get 100 points for a victory, and then you get 10 points for every victory your vanquished opponents get. And then added last year, you get an extra five points for every victory of all of your opponents. 
So the more teams you beat, the more points you can collect. You can also collect points just by playing a tougher schedule. And then the top eight averages go to the playoffs. So as we take a look at the class double L rankings right now, the top eight are West Haven five and L Southington five and L Greenwich four and one Hamden five and O Staples four and one Trumbull four and one Richfield three and two and Glassbury at eight, four and one. Number nine is Danbury at three and two. Ten is Fairfield prep. And then you fall right off a cliff. Number 11 is Crosby three and two. Then Stanford two and three, New Britain two and three, and a bunch of two and three, one and fours, uh, lots of city schools there. Uh, Pete, I hate to say it, but class double L looks pretty solidified at this point. Yeah, we're about about we're, 10 teams looking at eight spots. We're taking our first look at it, and in two weeks, we'll know who's clinched. Yeah, pretty much. As we discussed when they first did this, we, we were going to know who's clinched, and the, the intrigue, you're going to see this across the board. The intrigue is completely taken out of this whole thing. All these teams, you know, you win a couple more games, you're going to pretty much be in. Because it also depends on the teams below you whether they can win games to keep pace. I don't see that after ten. Uh, Danbury maybe Fairfield Prep is in good spot at two and three. The rest of it's just seeding right now. And okay, <laughs> shruggy on. shruggy shoulders emoji. Usually this is where we were looking at it. You looked all the way down to at least fifteen and go, wow, there's a lot of good teams in this race. Nah, not not now. We knew that class double L uh, was gonna not be the great one. We thought the the really great one was going to be Class L. Almost a similar situation now that we look at. It. Number one, St. Joseph at 4-1. and one. They're ahead of New Canaan at 5-0 and oh, and Maloney at 5-0. and oh. That's a strength and schedule thing. Maloney's number three. Shelton, number four, 4-1. Four Nogatuck, 4-1 and one at number five. Cheshire at number six. They're 4-1. and one. Newtown, 4-1 and one at seven. And Darian, 3-2 and two at number eight. The team behind Darian is Ward at 4-1. and one. Not bad. But then you think about Darian beat them 55 to 14. And right here, it falls off a cliff. Ludlow three and two, Middletown three and two, not bad, but not great either. Then Xavier two and three, which got wiped out by a couple teams. And Amity at number three, Class L also looking fat. I mean, I'm looking at some of the other teams down the road here. I don't see anybody who can catch up to that top eight. Maybe Ward. Maybe Ward has a shot, uh, but it's going to be tough for a lot of these teams. You're almost done here in Class L as well, Pete. Yeah, I'm just I'm like looking at it and I'm like, oh, St. Joseph's Darien round two. You know, I mean that new Canaan Darien game is going to be really important. Not that it ever isn't, but that Thanksgiving game could do a lot for seeding in this one. If you wanted to take all the stress, all the fun out of the next half of the season coaches and CIC, congratulations. <laughs> uh, you've done it. I mean, you've completely done it here. So uh, we knew that was going to happen. Hate to say I told you so, but, you know, hey, if this is what you want, man, this is what you want. Going into class double M, you know, this is actually gets a little tougher here. Actually, almost a little too tough because now you saw the problem with six divisions is there aren't. My argument is there are not that many great teams in the state. Now, all you guys want, want every team to get in. OK, that's fine. But there are going to be some divisions with six that are really easy, as we just saw. And then some divisions that are ridiculous. Ridiculous number one is class double M for a variety of different reasons. Let's just start at the top. Northwest United, 4-0. They're number one. Uh, SMSA co-op. They're 5-0. <laughs> they're number two. Number three is Thames River, 4-0. That's two tech school leagues, two teams from the tech school league in the top three. 
Number four, North Haven at four and one. Number five, a pretty good Weathersfield team. I wouldn't say great, but pretty good at four and one. Killingly drops off here. They were considered a fair. I still think they're a favorite in this division. They're four and one. Wilton started off with an easier schedule. They're five and one. Lost to Darien in a real close one. Otherwise, they would be up really high. Number eight, Massick, which has been competitive all season long, could easily be five and zero. Oh. It also could be two and three right now, uh, if uh, that uh, if they don't kick, if they don't rally against Benell and kick that field goal. By the way, great job by the by the uh, freshman kicking that field goal to beat the to, to redeem himself after you know he the one just fell short against St. Joseph. But Massick at the eight seed right here, uh, a very strong eight seed. Number nine, Quinnebog, four and one. Windsor, a very good Windsor team. You know, not vintage, but very good. Three and two. Fitz, three and two. Wilcox, Skater Tech, Niagara Tech School, three and two. EO Smith, not bad. Three and two. Platt Tech, three, two and two. Platt. And then all the way down here at 16, Guilford at three and two. Bunnell, which then you go Chain Tech, then you go Bunnell, three and two. Almost beat Mazic. They're the 18. Now, granted, you have a plenty of time. They have a lot. They have a hard schedule coming up now. So uh, they'll have plenty of opportunity, but will it be enough in this division with all? And this is where the tech school kind of shined through. Jeff Jacobs wrote a column about it. One of the big gripes last year, I wasn't really on board with this, but one of the big gripes was we'll have them play part of the the uh, the alliance schedule. Well, they did that. And now Northwest United won't be be playing Thames River and they won't knock each other off. So those two are almost guaranteed to get in this. Yeah, well, I mean, they all should have went into the alliance, not just one or two. That's kind of where the problem lies. But it's also funny because Northwest United and Thames River, despite being tech school home bases, are not really tech football programs. Right. That's a big, big distinction. Big you thing. You got to make that here. Yes. Like I couldn't even tell you what Quinnebog's host school is. Um, but I know, I know it's a tech school. It's Ellis Tech. Ellis Tech. Right. Northwest United. I, there's Nanawa kids on that team. I believe they have some kids from Litchfield. Yeah. They have kids from like the Berkshire League area. And Thames River has St. Bernard's, which is a choice school. Yep. Well, clearly. I, I mean, clearly. Decide. Yeah. Clearly I mean, yeah. So like, I mean, this is absurd. Uh, you know, look, we, we've already talked about this. I don't plan on going to a quarterfinal football game this year um because for all of these different reasons i mean i might end up at one anyway <laughs> but or or we might have some fun plans for it but um i mean just looking at this massive okay cool i'm sure massive doesn't want to be the eight seed but get to take a trip up to nanawag uh wilton right now smsa i like smsa but killingly i mean they don't have a long trip they just got to go to thames river Okay, so now the six and the eight are moving on. Uh, I wouldn't hold these. These. these no, things. no, you know, absolutely. Masks a long way change. to go here. Um, yeah, but you know, a lot of these teams, you can look at that. North Haven. You know, they got a tough schedule flash the way, and it's, so it's going to be really. But you know, there's some teams way down there. But L, Guilford's another one, maybe. You know. You know what though? I mean, depending on the the strength of points and stuff. Uh, Northwest United, SMSA, and Thames River could all be sitting there at the top at the end. And the problem, yeah, the, the the real issue is, are they good enough? Are they good enough for this? And they, you know, play. And like you said, playing out, you need to, we need to have all. Everyone needs to be playing each other. This no. we, can, we can't have different schedules. And this no, and and it's ridiculous because these 100 points per win thing, like Northwest United got three point uh, got points because Wilcox Kaner has three wins. 
right? I'm reading their schedule correctly, right? So, or Cheney, Cheney Tech got three wins. Well, yeah. Cheney Tech's three wins, unfortunately, and I don't mean to be rude, are not the same as Windsor's three wins that Weathersfield is getting points for. Though mathematically, according to the CIAC, they are the same, right. but they're really not. Well, the, the good news there is Cheney Tech is at 17 with those three wins, you know, but yeah, but I'm saying, but the, but the points that Northwest United is getting compared to the points that Weathersfield getting is the same. Yeah. But, but moving along along the class M, you want to talk about disaster areas. Berlin is number one at five and oh, number two is Notre Dame, West Haven, four and one, an SEC tier one school. They play SEC tier one teams. They're an M school now, choice, four and one. They have a good shot to win many of their games the rest of the way. I'm going to put it out there right now, Pete. Congratulations, Notre Dame, your 2022 Class M champions. Congratulations, Notre Dame. Oh, Joe, Joe hates you. I mean, look, they have a chance to win a lot of their games the rest of the way, but Cheshire, Prep, Shelton, Hamden, I mean, those aren't, those aren't slouches. I don't know if I'm giving away anything yet. I don't know if I'm throwing a parade in West Haven. We was bound to happen. Listen, I think Berlin's a pretty good team. Five and zero, they clearly are. They're going to win the rest of their games. They should. Law is in their five. How about that? The law, an SEC tier three team, they got to go up against Notre Dame in the playoffs. Rockville two, Hartford Public having a really good season. They're number five. Ram, which you know they've been ATIs in there. Brantford though is your eight seed at two and three. Pete, two and three. They're your eight seed in this. Is this what we want, guys? I mean, yes. And they, here's the thing about Brantford. They're eight going into the week, and they lost, and they're still eight. But it's about experience. Yeah! <laughs> Moving on. I mean, Class M is just... Congratulations, Notre Dame. Okay, prove me wrong, guys. Seriously, I would love to see Berlin maybe prove me wrong. Or law. I don't see it. Moving right along. Class double S. You have a pretty good division, actually. This is actually very good. Barlow, 5-0. Wyndham, obviously a good team, 5-0. Foreign, surprising, 5-0. Cromwell, Portland, very good team, 5-0. They got to play Valley Regional, number five, 4-0. Ledger, 5-0. Ellington, 4-1. Waterford, 3-2. This looks like an old division now. Double S is actually not bad, but again, it all comes down to just where things fall, and uh, you're going to have some very weak divisions, as we just saw, and then some really strong ones. This is a very strong one. You go all the way down there. There are a lot of good teams. Stafford, Summer, these wins are 13. They're three and two. You know, very, uh, Grammy can't sheen in there. Gilbert, very good division. I think I like this. This is uh, not, not a bad one. Who knows who's going to win this? Moving over to Class S, Holy Cross, 5-0. and Ansonia, 5-0. They play another strong division here. New Fairfield, East Catholic, WCA, Woodland, Bloomfield, still doing well there. Seymour, it doesn't look that much different from last year. I think what happens is all the good M teams went to double S and all the, uh, and all the, some of the S schools that were good last year went up to double S and vice versa. So those two are strong. I think you can say class double M is strong. The rest of them are just, I don't know what to make of it. It's, this is the problem with six divisions. You guys are going to say that three of these, a couple of these, a bunch of these guys are state champions. I'm not going to buy it, unfortunately. And it's just a shame. There are going to be some good teams left out. Uh, who yeah. maybe should win this or at least should compete for a state championship and they're stuck in some other division. Yeah, that's bizarre. But the thing that really stands out is uh, 
these schools are not playing for the same thing. I mean, they're playing for the same spot, but they're not playing the same schedule. You know, yeah. just an example in double S four and five and oh, they're in tier three of the SEC while Sheehan's clinging, you know, for dear life to to have a shot at a playoff spot at three and two. Uh Sheehan has tier one crossover games playing tier two schedule against West Haven and Hamden. They're in S school. Foreign doesn't play any of them. No. Right. So oh it's- actually I apologize. Foreign gets Amity. They get Amity. It's not the same, but they're playing for the same playoff spot. She so that's great. She didn't want to stay champions. So we got to give them hard teams. And yeah, got to give them West. We got to give them the two of the highest, the largest school in the state. Yeah, congratulations. Two of the largest schools in the SEC. Let's say West Haven and Hamden. I think are one, one, two. It makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense, and it just makes me sad. Right. So it's again, I don't want to be negative, Nelly here, but uh, you know, they, something has to fix here and i know you know there's there's two ways you go you either do this you scrap thanksgiving which will make a lot of people angry and you start the playoff you will make my family happy yeah we start you scrap thanksgiving and you start the playoff yeah because they all want play everyone wants to be in the playoffs and unfortunately guys i have to hate to break it to half the coaches here half of your teams you you play these 10 games i already can tell you you're not a state championship team you don't belong in the playoffs this isn't basketball guys that's what drives me nuts. It's not basketball. It's not baseball where you have one kid could, or one kid's out for a game and it ruins the whole thing. Football is a choreography. Football is, I need to, you know, I'll give you a great example. Will Levis, who might be the number one pick in the NFL draft, his teams were not good at Xavier. He could not will them. Now, if Will Levis was a basketball player and he was playing for Xavier, you know, if he was a Donovan Klingon type, now granted Donovan had a guy to help him out, Victor Rosa. But, you know, it's, it takes one or two guys for basketball. You can have one or two guys in football, and you can go 0-10. You know, this is not basketball. To all the co- coaches and ADs out there who want to go 40% wins get you in because everything's so fun and everyone's such an experience and so great. If they want that, then you're just completely, you know, what are we doing here? What are we doing? Oh. Oh. I just, uh, just, it's just Ugh. sad. That is my rant on that. Uh, but we're but, staying uh, positive, but we're staying yeah, positive. We're going to stay positive here because, listen, there's a lot of games to play. We're just going to have to take it day, one day at a time here and kind of do this on a case-by-case basis. And hopefully by the end of the season, it'll all work itself out. I'm not optimistic, but that said, Pete, what do we got for the mid-season report? Let's get going. We're going to give you uh, some categories. We're going to give you some of our guys, and, and away we go, and then that'll be it for this week. Pete, what do we got? Well, we're going to we're going to stay positive, right? Because that's what we have to do. We have to stay positive. So we came up with a couple of uh, superlatives, uh, I think, that were superlative type things. Uh, and we're going to we're going to go through. We're going to we're going to do a couple each. We're going to run through them. They're going to be quick. Uh, not one of our long tangents that Sean and I tend to go on. Yeah, like just um, <laughs> yeah, just exactly. Just like now um, we're going to we're, we're going to start, Sean, six surprising Six teams that surprised you this year. You got three. I have three. Uh, and we're going to run through it. Sean, you kick us off. Well, obviously, my top team in this, and a lot of people top teams on this would be St. Joseph. They're 4-1. I don't think anybody pegged the uh, the Hogs to be 4-1 at this point. They, first of all, they lost a lot of guys, um, you know, through graduation and otherwise. Like, yet they are still able to, to play great to start the season. Brandon Hutch with a couple of touchdown catches against Darianne, and away they went. Uh, the defense has been great with Jack Hill Martin and the, and the new kid up front, Deshaun Hall John, Johnson. 
Uh, Will Singwald, the uh, the quarterback, has been great. Riley Jordan running the ball. St. Joseph has been good all season long. Even in their one loss to Greenwich, they were really competitive. They looked like a contender in Class L, and I didn't even vote for them in my top ten to start the year, my top fifteen to start the year. So they've been excellent, St. Joseph. And uh, you know, obviously a little very tough schedule left to go, but I don't see obviously I don't see them missing out. And, they have a shot to win just as much as anyone in that in that division. Would you say that this might be Coach uh, Joe's best coaching performance? Uh, I, I would say, listen, St. Joe, uh, I would say this if if he somehow, I, I, right now, it's easily Joe Dalvecki's best coaching out there, 100%. I agree. Um, it's just considering all the guys they lost, you know, and, and just, uh, you know, the schedule, of just so much stuff coming down on them, and they're able to persevere. So good for them. I, I know they're a contender in Class L. My first team is foreign. The Lions are five and zero for the first time since 2015. All right, that's incredible in itself. Just quick note: that team finished six and four. I don't see that being the faith of this team. They got a lot of good players, especially led by senior quarterback Jack Cushman, Game Time CT Athlete of the Week nominee. Go and vote. He's got 1,394 passing yards and 16 touchdown passes this year. He's only thrown three interceptions. Two of them came in week one. All right, so he's playing turnover-free football, right? They beat Brantford, who a lot of us liked at the beginning of the year, and an East Catholic team that's 4-1. and one. Um, The rest of their schedule kind of plays into their favor. Um, they do have Amity, which is an SEC Tier 1 team, second-to-last game of the year. And then they have their rivals law on Thanksgiving. I'm going to go ahead and say it. And Tom Drew, I apologize. Please don't kill me for saying this. But I think there is a very good chance that foreign and law meet on Thanksgiving with both teams being 9 and 0. Wow. That would be amazing. I don't think, I don't think I've ever, I don't think that's ever happened. Usually those teams go in that game three and seven or where three, three and six and two and seven, two and seven. That's usually a typical foreign Thanksgiving Day game. You know, they've had a couple, a couple that game in like 2017, I think it was, was one of the all-time great Thanksgiving Day games I've ever heard of. Um, so they're capable of playing great that day. But that'll be a get your tickets now if you're in Milford. The Battle of Milford will be looks like it's going to be lit, as they say. Um, that Pete, that would be a great job by foreign because I saw them at the beginning of the year. I saw and, and they were in a squad scrimmage with Cromwell, Portland, Bristol Central, Killingly. I don't think I spent much time on the foreign end. Let's put it that way. You know, I checked them out. I got a few videos. But, uh, you know, I was like, ah. And I kind of walked away. So they are certainly, I think, I agree with you 100%. Uh, Absolutely. I'll, I'll take it from here. My, my second uh, surprising team is obviously the Whippets. Like, we got, the, we got an idea up at Wyndham that there was going to be something special brewing. That we It was in their preview. They were very excited. They wanted us to get their preview out on Game Time CD. You know, when I took a look at it, I'm like, you know, this 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 team could be pretty good. They only had one senior last year that graduated. He didn't even play that much because he was injured. The rest of the team's all back. You have, you know, we talked about Zach Robinson-Smith. You have Victor Meha. You have the Mangual cousins, Isaiah and Travis. And you have uh, one of the D linemen, uh, Malachi Fowler, who is a beast. You know, I saw them just whoop up on Eo Smith to start the season. And uh, did I think they were going to be killing me? No, I did not. But they have the wing tee running just to perfection. And... Uh, ZRS, the quarterback, put his name on our radar uh, for the rest of the season going forward because that, that again, we mentioned it, that 70-yard touchdown run was a thing of beauty. And uh, he looks like a special player that may, like we said last week, he's a bowling ball. So nice little 
thunder and lightning combo there. But the Whippets right now, I uh, they look like a favorite in Class Double S. I mean, maybe maybe Barlow in there. I mean, there's that's a tough, tough division. So, uh, I, but I think they they're right up there with everybody. Yeah, they're definitely. I think the the new darlings. Yeah. I am. I'm all aboard the Whippets train. Um, they're scheduled the rest of the way. You know, they got New London, and then they get it goes uphill. New London, then Waterford. Then Ledger, so right there, the next three games, uh, you're going to tell about where they're going to end up in class double S. But, uh, you know, right now, it's looking, I mean, right now, it's looking really good. If they win a couple of those games, man, they will be right on top of the home game, too. And they yep. might even get to play at home because their home field, Ferrigno Field at Wyndham, has been under construction all year. They might get their final game of the year played there. I think it's going to be versus Montville. Um, they might play right, but if they can get a playoff game there, that'd be amazing. What a, what a way to christen your own field with a quarterfinal playoff game. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Ledyard, and I'm going to continue on Ledyard. They're my second surprising team this year. They're 5-0 and in Class S in the ECC. And usually when a team loses its best player and two of its best players in Ryan Outlow and Justin Outlow, you don't really expect them to do much. But here are the Colonels at 5-0. and and it's all been about James Green. James Green was awesome last year. We saw him uh, when they played against Waterford. He had a great game this year. You know, and, and last year he only he rushed for 800 yards, got 12 t- TDs. Good player. This year he's already over a thousand. He's got 1,070 yards and 15 touchdowns. All right, they beat Waterford. They were down in the game, came back. Great win for them. Though, like you mentioned, they have dates with Wyndham. And Fitch in the second half of the scene, which could be troublesome for the Colonels. But if James Green's running the ball, I have all the faith in the world in in Ledyard. I, I agree. They're, they're, they've been really surprising. You know, I thought if they lost to the Outlaws, they're going to be in big trouble right there. They have 5-0. and um, You know, got some tough ones left. You know, Wyndham, obviously, you mentioned. New London, NFA, Fitch with the sword at the end of the year. But uh, I like their chances in Class S. I love Class S. Great. Pencil me in for the S, S division this year, man. I, I was all about L before the season started. I still might be, but S and double S, I, I love them already. Um, speaking of S and double S, let's go right to my third surprising team. 5-0 and Holy Cross. It's not so much that we thought Holy Cross was going to be bad or something like that. We actually thought they were going to be good, but everybody and their grandmother said, look out for Naugatuck in the NBL, look out for Ansonia in the NVL. That was the big showdown. Who was going to win that? That was going to win the NVL. Well, Holy Cross kind of threw a monkey in, monkey into that wrench. <laughs> Sorry. Holy Cross threw a wrench into the whatever. <laughs> what am I talking about? Well, Holy Cross threw a monkey wrench into those plans. They were down against Naugatuck and then came flying back 14, 14 points in the final quarter. And uh, they've been playing great. Tom Legey, who I keep calling Anthony for some reason, his brother. Sorry, Tom, but he's been, he's, that was the guy we had our eye on. But he's got a surrounding cast around him. Marquise Campbell, this kind of the scat back receiver, you know, the lightning to thunder. He's been great. He was great in that knock up game. He obviously the linebacker, Maldonado, uh, who basically had his fingerprints all over that knock tuck win. Um, and the quarterback, Drew. Drew Cowett has been unflappable so far. He played great in that game, uh, even though he got harassed a little bit by the defense, but he, he's made some great decisions. Uh, Holy Cross plays Ansonia at Municipal this week in a game that's really going to define the whole league. But right now, I wouldn't be shocked if they were able to pull that one out. Then again, 
No, Antonio doesn't lose to these type of teams. If they were able to pull this off, man, that would be monumentous. Uh, but the, the funny thing about them being a surprise team is that they were legitimately just a, a, a yard, an inch or two away from losing that knockdown game. You know, it blocks field goal, a fumble. That's really kind of put it there. If those things go the other way, we're not talking about Holy Cross right now. So still, give credit where it's due. They've been pretty good. Maybe they can knock off Antonio. We shall see. But I like the Crusaders. They're definitely, obviously, going to be in Class S. Uh, I don't see them, besides maybe Ansonia, I don't see them losing much more the rest of the way. Oh, they definitely are a good team, but that win against Naugatuck was a surprise. Another surprising win for my final team on this list was is North Haven. North Haven, we, we love North Haven on this show. Yeah. Uh, you can't find a football fan in the state who dislikes North Haven. They're just no, lovable. Unless you play them, but they're just lovable. But they haven't been to the playoffs since 2018, which, like, Seems like a really long time ago, even though it's only two seasons. Yeah, right. It seems like such a long time ago. But here they are in the mix. They're 4-1. And they lost to Notre Dame in Week 2, who we had buried for dead after their Week 1 loss to West Haven. And we're like, oh. They, like, North Haven lost to Notre Dame. Like, oh, man, how good how good is really North Haven? But <laughs> how good is Notre Dame? Oh, yeah. We, North Haven. We, we, we learned both of those. And North Haven came out. They had that huge upset win, 18-10 over Shelton. They are right back in the driver's seat at 4-1 in Class L. Their second-half schedule, Xavier, Cheshire, Hand, Prep, Amity. I believe all winnable games for the Nighthawks. And I will say this. We talk about their running game and how great it is that it eats up the clock. This defense has allowed 24 points all season. 24. I watched Greenwich give up 29 in a row and North Haven in North Haven has yeah, three quarters in North Haven allowed 24 points all year I'm in on the Nighthawks never bet against Sagnella yeah it is a symbiotic relationship there the defense and the offense you know the single wing loves to pound the rock 18 times and then three yards three yards four yards or three yards four yards and three yards whatever gets them the, the yards and if they happen to pop one look out but uh so far, so good. You know, keep away, keep away from the uh, the opposing offense. And then when your defense does have to make a play, they make it because they're so fresh. You know, and that's been what's been great about North Haven. It looks like the North Haven of old. Is there even a superstar in this team? Well, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But now, let's go on to teams that I would say are disappointments, but have been disappointing maybe to themselves. The teams that have not quite lived up to maybe and us. But oh, yes, and us as well. Pete, why don't we start with you? Where we uh, where do we go with the teams that just why haven't quite been the, the your three most disappointing teams, I guess. Well, right off the bat, it's Darianne, without a question. I mean, this was the number two team in the state. And I said this on the show, and then I contradicted myself. But I when I vote, I vote who's coming back in the building. And Darian lost a lot from the double L champions a year ago, yet I still voted Darianne number two. Because they're a program. Because they're a program. Well. Boy, were we wrong. Lost to Darien. Lost, uh, lost to St. Joe's in the opener. Shut out. Not they shut didn't out, even yeah. compete against Maloney. I, I, no matter what the score said, Maloney was the better team on the field that day. They have three wins. Uh, those three wins don't entirely impress me. Took to the final seconds to beat Wilton. And the Wilton's a 
pretty good team. Uh, you know, it's nothing against uh, Coach E.J. D'Annunzio and his, and his group. They squeak past them. And their other wins are against Bridgeport Central and Ward. I, I'm, I need to see something from Darianne to have any belief that this team could make a run into the double L playoffs. So they're my top, they're my number one team that I've uh, a little disappointed in this year. Yeah, you know, that you guys have plenty of time to, you know, to get back. Oh, yeah. You got a whole other half of the season. This is only a half season thing. This is a mid, mid-term report card. That's all. <laughs> you know, don't take this too hard. But, you know, they have some chances here. They got Ludlow this week. They got Greenwich. You know, Norwalk McMahon. Then, obviously, the big one, New Cannon. You know, that one's always, you never know where that one goes. No. We haven't heard. We don't really know much about it there, about New Cannon. So, we'll let's see. My, uh, my start, I'm going to start off with hand. You know, I know this pains me to say so. But, uh, you know, the Tigers just haven't quite lived up to uh, their high expectations. I know that. Now, forget mine. You know, even even Coach Eric Becker has been had high expectations. But, you know, they did lose a lot. They start off, well, they're 1-4, and four, and they did lose a lot of their firepower from last year. And that was kind of like, who was going to step up to fill that void? And, well, they got shut out three three weeks in a row, 28 nothing. And, uh, you know, I saw them against – I saw them in one of those games. I thought they played pretty well against Shelton. They just didn't crack the end zone. Whatever happens, they got to figure out a way to get through that force field that has come down on the 20-yard line because it's uh, it's kind of cramping their style right now. It may be too late because they're in a M division that's a uh, that's kind of crazy right now. Who knows? I mean, and plus, Hand has got Fairfield Prep, Xavier, North Haven, Sheen, and Guilford. Now, two of those, I think they're. It, going to be tough to win they need to win at least three of those just to get to, to four and six so that's going to be tough for hand to get back uh but right now I, I know that they got it in them i know the team's got it in them just i don't know it's just been it's just been tough a tough tough season they haven't had this type of season since steve philpon's last season as coach and they were pretty competitive in that season as well but only finished i think it was two and eight so uh really tough for hand pete what about you my next team, and I think it's more of the pressure that I maybe I put on this group, Newington. Newington's 0-5, and, and I, I was about them in the preseason. They had so much talent back. They have a great coach in Jason Pace, and uh, I went to see them in the first game. They didn't play bad against Southington, and then it just looks like they haven't been able to get over that hump. And They were a Tier 2 team in the CCC last year. They got moved up to CCC Tier 1 this year. It has not been kind for them. Um, the five opponents that they've played are a combined 20 and five. They have losses to Southington, Connard, Staples, Glastonbury, Maloney. They were winning the Connard game. Connard had a crazy comeback to win it. Um, you know, they still have talented players. Patty Brown, Josiah Ross. Uh, there's a bunch of other guys that I'm forgetting their names. Though it does look nicer in the second half for them with their opponents with their the opponent's record in the second half of the season is only 10 and 15, including a date with Weathersfield uh, the night before Thanksgiving. So I'm thinking big things in the second half for Newington. I'm ready to get hurt. My team next, I'm going to stay in the CCC. I'm going to go with Bluefield at three and two. And I know what you're thinking. How can you be disappointed in a team? that is clearly going to make the class S playoffs. They they will. They are not going to they're not going to lose a, uh, they might not lose another game. Um but when you really look at it, they had they have a good chance to be undefeated at this point. They had double digit leads against Killingly, which just got beat up, and they had a double digit lead against Berlin and in the fourth quarter and lost that. 
Uh, and it was that was a 17-point lead, and I think the Killingly one was uh, 15 yep. points. I know Ty's definitely frustrated. These guys got to learn how to close out that game. It's going to be tough. If you can't do that, you know, even if you do get in the playoffs, you know, when it's time to – it's go time, you need to have your guys, you know, experience, and you need to have them be able to face adversity down in the playoffs. And right now, Bloomfield has not been able to do that. So I'm sure they'll turn around, but so far they've kind of – they haven't passed those two big tests uh, early on. Pete, you're next. Team. Right, my last team, again, it's my own doing. It's Branford. Oh. The Hornets are sitting at two and three. They're coming off a Class M semifinal appearance last year in a game that they could have won and been playing for a state title and maybe won a state title. Uh, the, the hopes were really high for the Hornets, myself included. Uh, unfortunately for them, they're top back. Back from last year, Nate Chifa got hurt in week one, and it doesn't look like we're going to see him for the rest of the season. They lost to Guilford, who they just seem to not be able to get past. They lost to Law and Foreign, who they beat last year, who were both 5-0. and uh, But I think they wish they had those games back. But despite all of this, Brantford's still in a playoff spot right now yes. if the season ended today. Thanks, yeah. It's Class M. But they got Killingly this week, and then they got Hamden. The week after that. So congrats for that uh, that lovely Tier 2, Tier 3 crossover you get Hamden. Um, you know, I, I just, you know, 2 and 3, I, it's not what, I don't think it's what they thought this season was going to be in Brantford. Uh, but they do have enough time to wreck the ship for sure. My final team, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the T-Birds of North Brantford, who have, uh, you know, they're still very good. Uh, and part of this is not of their own making because they lost obviously uh their top running back tyler hansen right after he wrote a story about how good he's going to be he's a sophomore i mean he had rushed for 400 yards in just the in just the three games going into the i think it was just the two games or something like that going into uh to uh, um Cromwell portland he got dinged up on the first play didn't come back didn't see him in the next game either um and now they are two and three they also lost their season opener to valley regional uh, which a team which probably should have been up on our surprising teams list, but yeah, we'll get to them in a second. But uh, North Brantford, you know, despite having some really good talent, you know, I love Jack Meehan, the receiver. He's pretty good. And ProVentures, you know, hung in there. Um, you know, the the T-Birds had three of the best teams. I know it was a tough guy to schedule. Had three of the best teams on their schedule to start the year in their first five games. They lost all three. And they needed at least one of those. You know, they need at least one of those. You know, SMSA beat them up. Cromwell Portland, that was pretty competitive. And then obviously the North Brantford one, sorry, the North, the Valley Region one is the one I'm sure they want back. They had plenty of opportunities. That was a 13-7 loss. Plenty of opportunities to score in that game. So that is it uh, for the disappointed, quote-unquote, because there's plenty of time to turn around, guys. Yes. Uh, so, uh, so far, it just hasn't gone your way. So that's, uh, that is the second category. Pete, what do we got next? We got... Uh... Six teams to watch in the second half. I think uh, we'll stay with the teams here. But, you know, six teams that, you know, it's really interesting what the second half can do after maybe some good starts or maybe some things that they, uh, you know, might need to change heading into the second half. Uh, I'm going to go first. I'll go with mine. I'm really intrigued by Ridgefield. The Tigers sitting at three and two. But how many teams get to open up their seasons against Shelton and Greenwich? I mean that's 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 tough Somebody's for any. Somebody's got to win this, yeah. Every... Yeah, someone has to. But to open up against Shelton Greenwich is no easy task. They lost both games. Since then, 
They are 3-0. Justin Keller has played really well. He's got a trio of receivers that he can throw to, including Kyle Cosley. Um, I will say this, though, and I'm intrigued. Richfield started last year 4-1, finished the year 1-4. Okay, now they're sitting at 3-2. and two. They have games against St. Joe's, Wilton, Trumbull, Staples, and then Danbury to finish the year. Can Ridgefield not fall into the traps that they did last year? I think a lot of these guys are a year older, year wiser, year more experienced. I'm excited to watch what the Tigers can do in the second half of the season. I'm going to go over the SEC to my pals over at West Haven as my uh, you know team to watch in the second half of the year. The first half of the year... You know, typical fair. Beat Amity up, beat Guilford, beat Hill House, beat Wilbur Cross last week in their SEC Tier 2 portion of the first half of the schedule. But their opener was the really interesting one, the one that wasn't part of their SEC schedule, the one the Alliance set up for them, thankfully, because they have to play Notre Dame West Dave. They have to. You have to find. That would be a great Thanksgiving day game. I know, <laughs> the, uh, I know <laughs> that I'll upset all the handed people, but... Uh, I, that would be even a great game for uh, Thanksgiving. But to start the season off with a just a dominant defensive, especially 25-8 to eight victory over a team that's basically proven itself since Notre Dame, West Haven certainly signaled its arrival. Now, it's been very quiet, lying in the weeds, taking care of business, speed kills. They played three of their four last four games at home. I mean, even Notre Dame was, at, uh, it was just down the road in West Haven. They've only had to, and then Wilbur Cross is at Bowen Field. They haven't even had to leave, like, you know, you know, the general vicinity. They're going to walk to all these places. West Haven. Now it gets a little interesting, though. Shelton comes to Ken Strong Stadium this week. Shelton, not quite the behemoth we thought it was, but West Haven with speed. They got Conlin at quarterback, his sophomore, whose older brother is now starring UNH. Uh, he's been great, as, they, as the Conlin family constantly is. Uh, they got speedsters on the, on the side. They got size. Uh, they've only allowed 48 points this year, which is pretty good. But now Shelton comes to town. Very big game for the Westies uh, this weekend. Then you got Sheehan Harding. Okay, Sheehan might put up a fight. Harding struggled. Then they got two big ones to end the year. You got Hamden, which was a grudge match. They lost last year with a couple. They had a pick, they had a pick six and a bad pickoff in the end zone. They could have won that game, which would have sent them to the playoffs, not Hamden. Get your tickets now for that one. Always an old-school district battle. Hamden versus West Haven on November 11th, and then finally at the end, Fairfield Prep. Now, West Haven's no danger of missing the playoffs. We already just looked at that class double L field. There's no way they lose unless they tank, which they're not going to. Um, they're a team to watch, but those three games, Shelton, Hamden, Fairfield Prep, that will decide whether this team will be a contender or not. Pete. All right, I'm moving upstate. Just quick, quick question for all our listeners. Uh, raise your hand if you had Glastonbury at 4-1. and one. Uh, that's good because none of you have your hands up except for anyone who lives in Glastonbury, and that's awesome for the Guardians. What a great start for Coach Eric Hennessy and his team. But I want to look at the facts. I'm a big facts guy. I'm a big numbers guy. The five teams that Glastonbury has played this season have a combined record of 2-23. and 23. Okay? Now, you have to win, you know, you win the games that are in front of you, and they have done that. They, they lost to Hall who didn't have a win. Um, but they're sitting here at 4-1. They're in the mix in double L right now. That said, here comes the hammer in the second half. They have Southington and Maloney. And they're with 
Southern Kimbaloni and the other three schools on their schedule, the record of those teams is 15-10. and 10. So it's going to be a completely different kind of skill level that this Glastonbury team sees in the second half. Building wins early in the year, building confidence, does wonders for any group there. Not going to be shy about playing Southington or Maloney. But, I mean, I, I it would take something special for Glastonbury to, to beat Southington or Maloney. That said, even if they lose those games, 7-3 and three might have them still go into the playoffs and double out. Not like it, it's not your grandfather, not your brother's class playoffs nowadays. Oof. <laughs> Yikes. I'm sorry. I <laughs> just can't stop. Oh, man. Anyway, good for them if they can get it there. Um, I'm going to go stick in that. Uh, I'm going to go to Class L, actually, over the SWC. I'm going to go with Newtown as a team to look out for. Just like Notre Dame West Haven, we kind of wrote them off after that first loss. They lost to Granite. You know, competitive game. I think it was 34-14, uh, 34-13. Uh, really competitive game. Um, and then we just kind of like, eh, all right, Newtown, goodbye. You know, we don't need to talk to you guys anymore. You know, you didn't show yourselves. Uh, we'll talk to you guys later. And uh, they've quietly just gone about their business since. Um, they've beaten Hand, which, you know, at the time looked very impressive, 28 nothing. Um, then they went over and they defeated Pomprog, which has struggled. And then they beat a pretty good new Milford team um, last week. I thought New Milford, new Milford certainly gave it massive a lot of trouble week prior but uh, they beat them now they get back into the swing of things here now it's time to see what Newtown is really made of Dylan Magazoo who just committed right Elon Elon good for him the quarterback Dylan Magazoo you have Mark Sock and the Hawks you know they are off our air now they're back they gotta start this week with Bennell then they gotta play Barlow which is undefeated right now Stratford lost to Palm Prog last week and then they go New Fairfield and then they're good old friends from Massac Four games out of the next five, Pete, are all teams that are probably all going to be maybe at least three of the four in the state playoffs. Now it's time to find out what Newtown's made of, or in the case of the teams they're playing, what those teams are made of. There you go. Newtown is a team. Keep an eye on the rest of the way. All right. I'm going to not stay anywhere near that area, and I'm going all the way to the top left corner of this state, Gilbert Northwestern Housatonic. Right? They're sitting at three and two. And when they came over from the Pequod to the NVL, we all kind of like secretly cackled. And we're like, how are they really going to fare in the NVL? But some realignment in the NFL, uh, in the NFL, there's been some realignment in the NVL. Things have kind of moved around a little bit. Gilbert's sitting here three and two. There are two losses though, right? I don't really want to highlight their three wins. They should have beaten those teams and they did beat those teams. But the two losses... Naugatuck by 15, and Sonia only by 10. Gilbert belongs. Yeah, They belong in the NBL. Now, they have a really good team. They have really good players on this team. Freddie Camp is one of the best you know, running backs in this state that maybe we don't talk about enough. Um, really good athlete overall. And Nolan Reisdorf, the quarterback for Gilbert, super talented. His brothers were Northwestern athletes, super talented athletes as well. Um I like Gilbert's rest of the way. You know, their five opponents the rest of the way have a combined record of 10 and 15. I think Gilbert goes back to the playoffs. I think it's with ease that Gilbert locks up a spot in the double S playoffs. That's a good one, Pete. I like I like it. You know, they've really surprised me. Those two losses are about as good of losses as he could have. I mean, I didn't know it's a thing as good losses. But if there were, 
Those no. would be two good ones. Well, them and Master. <laughs> I mean, listen, going up on Antonio in the third quarter in your inaugural NBL season on the road at Jarvis Stadium. Yeah, that's yeah. impressive. Like, yes, you didn't close the deal. Yes, Cassetti ran over you in the fourth quarter. But, you know, usually that's where te new teams go to die. Uh, but uh, great job by uh, Scott and the, and the guys over there at uh, Gilbert Northwestern. You know, the, the Berkshire All-Stars. Guys, make it happen. That's your nickname. That's your, you know, forget this compound stuff. Berkshire All-Stars. There you That's go. It. Boom, copyright. Put it on the, put it on the, put it on the jersey. Put it on stationery. It'll sell. Put it on a bumper sticker. It'll be huge. <laughs> uh, my final team to watch next, I mean, I, we, I was uh, debating whether we should mention Notre Dame. But Notre Dame gets mentioned a lot on this podcast already. The team that we haven't even mentioned all year, though, is Valley Regional Old Line. Coach Hill and the rest of the guys uh, have been lying in the weeds all season. Now it's time to find out what they're all about. Did knock off North Brantford. Pretty surprising. 13-7. They're at the hill. I believe that was at the hill. They defended the hill there. And then since then, they've been kind of doing what they need to do. You don't hear much of them. They don't send any, like, you know, they don't send any box scores to us to tell us what they did. You know, guys, let's work on that. We want to know how you did on a Friday night. But uh, since then, and now, you know, they, the problem was they were a little underwhelming last year. They kind of disappointed us last year. I'll be honest with you. But, uh, you know, that's why they didn't get much play going in. You talk about Cromwell, we talk about Bradford, all the seniors back. You know, D'Angelo Jean-Pierre, clearly a great player. And it comes from a great family that's been great to the to the uh, Deep River community over there. But uh, this team has been excellent on defense. It's not just him. They open eyes, but beating North Branch, we just mentioned the defense has been great. Overall, in the last four games, are so, I think since they beat North Branford, they have outscored their last three teams 166 to 18. Granted, they should have beaten all those teams. But now things get good. They got cap prep this week, then they get Cromwell. Then they get Stafford. Those three games right there will define their season. Will they be in the class double S playoffs? I think so. I think you win two of those. You're definitely in. I Again, that's a weird division right now, and I need to see a little bit more play out. But, you know, they're looking really good 4-0 um, at, at number, the number five spot there. You beat Cromwell Portland, though. You know, you beat a capital prep. I think you're, you're in great shape. So keep an eye on the Warriors heading forward. Pete. Six players to watch in the second half. What six high school football players in this state that need to step up for their team to do some damage as we get towards the second half of the season? Sean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go first. I'm going to go. We talked about this team a little bit. Uh, they could have been on surprises. Uh, but you know, I wanted to highlight this player here specifically, and that's Charlie Gub Charlie Gublin, the junior quarterback at Fairfield Ward. Last year, he only threw nine touchdowns. This year, he's already got eleven. He's only turned. He's only thrown one interception. And Ward is off to their best start since 2019, when they started three and zero. This team is four and one. Right. Currently, they're on the outside looking in in Class L, and they got dates with Wilton and New Canaan in the second half. That's going to be tough. Okay, but if Go if if, <laughs> if Goblin, sorry Charlie, if Goblin can play well and keep them in the game and keep them in games, they might be able to pull off an upset here and stay in the mix for a chance to, I believe, reach the postseason for the first time. 
I went back in the record book, and the last time I could find Ward doing something in football was 1959 yeah. when they won one of the CIAC Merit Awards. Like, All right, so, like, this before, is like, it. Uh, that's before my mom was a cheerleader at Ludlow. Yeah. So, like, or, this you know, is Bill it. Bill Beck was quarterback. <laughs> Sorry, you know, this ahead. this this is a good team, and they, they kind of they have the pieces in front of them. Maybe pulling off an upset against Wilton uh, might be more likely than pulling off an upset against New Kane, but if they're going to do it, it's going to be the junior quarterback who's going to lead the way. You're telling me they didn't go to the playoffs with Jack McFarlane on the on the team? I, I don't believe so. They were pretty good in baseball, though. Yeah. <laughs> Players to watch for me. You know, one of the guys that's kind of been lying on Lisa Ray Ark, guy with a great name. Uh, I actually forget who his real name is, but his old man, when he was a kid, called him Chili, and uh, the, the kid sizzled, I'll tell you. Chili White from uh, from. From Windsor. Now, Windsor is one of those teams that we could have mentioned the team to watch in the second half. Now, obviously, they got a really big game coming up this week. Uh, they got a few big ones. They got Bloomfield at the end of the year. I forgot about that. You know, maybe Bloomfield doesn't run the table because Windsor is right there with them. They're still a young team. This is a guy, kid who transferred from uh, Middletown a few years ago. You know, didn't get that pandemic season. Now he's a senior. He's a young senior, but 703 rushing yards, 10 rushing touchdowns, and 15 total touchdowns. He made one of the best plays I've seen all year uh, when he was back to punt for Windsor and uh, noticed that the coverage was dropping back. They needed a fourth. They needed to keep the clock moving. Otherwise, Windsor was going to come back on him. He ran for 14 yards for first down. He gets the first down, heads up play for a 15-year-old kid. I think he, he might have had his birthday just recently. So happy birthday, uh, uh, Chili. But uh, he's 16. So, I mean, that great job by him. He's a big key. He's running back. He's scoring a long touchdown run there. I like the player. I think he's going to be a guy to watch as Windsor tries to get back into the, uh, into the state playoffs. Double M, going to be tough. Obviously, Windsor, Southington this week, Manchester, Enfield, South Windsor, Bloomfield at the end. But the Southington one, we'll see what the, uh, the Warriors are made of. They, had a, they could easily be 5-0 right now because a couple of their games, it was, uh, you know, they, they, they lost by a point. Chili White. He's got a great name. When I hear when I heard his name the first time, I thought of Chili Davis, the former baseball yeah, player too. who was on the Yankees. Um, but I'm going to stay in Class Double M, and I'm going to pop some bottles in Monroe. Jason Champagne. All right, we talked about it. Mastics three and two. They were literally inches away from being five and up. They the, the missed field goal against St. Joe's hit the crossbar. They were up with 21 seconds left against Trumbull. I mean, they were leading with three seconds left on Trumbull, but Trumbull was on like the three-yard line. Right? They were inches away from being 5-0. But right now, they cling to the final spot in double M. Their schedule kind of benefits them um, until Thanksgiving when they play Newtown, who they beat last year on a field goal. But if this team is going to head into that game at 7-2, it's going to be on the legs of Jason Champagne. They got players. They got the Walker brothers. They got Dylan Jackson, a quarterback. But Jason Champagne is the one who makes it go. 671 rushing yards this year, 12 touchdowns to start. It seems like everything runs through him in that offense. And uh, if Masick is going to make that run, it starts with him. Pete, my next guy is going to be Luke Mayer from Granby Canton. I know, uh, I think he uh, reached out to us on one of the uh, social media accounts to thank us for kind words last week when they, uh, they after their loss to Cromwell Portland. Listen, we mentioned it last week. He did everything. He ran kickoffs back to set up touchdowns. He had an interception to set up a field goal attempt, which was missed. 
He made plays on defense. He makes plays on special teams. He makes plays on offense. Granby Canton's one of those teams also lying underneath the weed. They were very close against uh, SMSA, and they were very close against Cromwell Porton. This is a team that just needs to kind of get its signature win under its belt. There's chances to do so. They're going to be in the mix of the Class SSS playoffs, but they got Rockville, Ellington, back-to-back to to start off the second half of the season. They also have capital prep in there. Uh, if, but if they're going to win any of those games and get a good record going into this class double S field, Luke Meyer is going to be the guy leading that beat. All right. My final guy, Jordan Black, linebacker at Trumbull. Trumbull is four and one, right? They have a great win against Massick. They lost a close game to Staples. They have three other wins in there against opponents that they should have beaten. But I want to point out the Massick and the Staples game. Those are the two best opponents on Trumbull's schedule so far. And in that game, the Trumbull defense allowed 79 points combined in just those two games. All right? Trumbull, you got players, right? Hunter Agosti, Rowan Johnston, uh, Ben Carley. They got a lot of other guys, okay? You cannot allow close to 39 points a game when you're facing Greenwich, Ridgefield, and St. Joe's in the back end of your schedule. And Jordan Black is the guy it starts with. He is their top defensive player. Some people have told me he is their best player on the Trumbull football team. You know what, Jordan? If this team wants to go dancing, you are the one who's going to have to lead the way on defense. Fix whatever issues this defense has going into this second half. And it starts on Thursday night at Greenwich. Sean, take us home. My final guy, guys, actually, because I, as I mentioned before, they are a hive mind there over at North Haven. But, uh, you know, if the Nighthawks are going to make some waves, because I think they're pretty much in the spike through schedule in the class double M field. Uh, if they're going to make some waves there, maybe win the school's first state championship. You got to have the guys that run the squad. They've always had a couple of guys that stood out. I mean, granted, you have to you have to buy into SAG system defensively, but especially offensively. That is Adam Pandolfi and Jeffrey Caravest, the Southern Mediterranean flavor of the North Haven Nighthawks drive to go back to the playoffs and maybe win their first state championship ever. Pandolfi had a great play to end the Shelton game. Caravest and he both scored touchdowns. Clearly, there are two guys that you're going to win a game for North Haven. They're going to be the ones that take you there. North Haven's feeling like they're getting a little disrespected. They're not even in the top 10. Let's talk about teams that might have a gripe at why they're not in the top 10. Shelton's in there. And they beat Shelton. Voters, get your act together. This is embarrassing for us. But those two guys, Adam Pandolfi and Caravis, great. Uh, I think North Haven's going to be a force to be reckoned with the rest of the way. Keep an eye on those guys. Pete, what do we have for the uh, Pick'em's Pod, the Petey Pageview's Pick'em Podcast coming up in a couple days? Oh, it's a loaded schedule. We got Windsor at Southington to start us off. Then we got Killingly, Bla- Killingly Branford rematch of the Class M semifinals. Trumbull at Greenwich, which is Thursday night. And Sonia at Holy Cross. Big NVL matchup. Ellington at Stafford. Love me some Pequot. Down in the SEC, we got Shelton at West Haven. That one's been circled on our schedule all year. In the SWC, New Fairfield and Joel Barlow, two very good small schools in the SWC. New Canaan and Wilton. Remember, Wilton beat New Canaan last year, and we still don't know what New Canaan's made of. Then down uh, up in Hartford County, we got Weaver at Bassett. I, I, I think this is an interesting game. Both teams have a really good chance to win. It would be Weaver's first win as a program in a really long time. 
uh, as their own program. And then the final game, it's on Saturday, Ridgefield and Justin Keller going to St. Joe's to play Hutch and the Pogs. That is a great group of games, Steve. What a way to kick off the second half of the season. We hope you guys enjoyed our little mid-season report. Please, by all means, prove us wrong or right, whatever your favor is. That's fine with us. We're just here to give you our opinions. For Pete Guaga, I'm Sean Patrick Foley. Let's go to the second half of the season. It's the Meat Grinder in Game Time CT. Love you all.